that's kind of like a mask they're putting on saying, okay, this is the professional me. And then what happens is people meet them at the interview and then they take a little bit of the mask off. So I encourage people to just take the mask off from the beginning. So when you meet that person, they're authentic. I run into people from LinkedIn a lot in person and they're like, oh my God, you're exactly like what I saw online. Um, And that's what you want. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the brand new you show, the podcast dedicated to helping you build a credible brand. I'm your host, Ryan Roten, and today's guest is life and career coach Kyle Elliott from caffeinatedkyle.com. Kyle is a resume and LinkedIn writer, an award-winning speaker, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, and of course, a self-proclaimed caffeine addict. But his true passion lies in helping people find jobs they love. Kyle, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the brand new you show. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be chatting with you. I understand congratulations actually are in order for you from last week because you had four, maybe five clients receive new job offers. Is that correct? Yes, five clients receive job offers. And I typically only work with two to four clients per week. Um, So a lot of clients were just reaching out saying they landed jobs. I was updating LinkedIn. And then more clients were like, Kyle, you need to update it again. I landed a job. And then more clients were saying, Kyle, update it again. I landed a job. So it was a really powerful week. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I would imagine as a career coach, that's like the number one best feeling that you can get is, you know, first when you actually help somebody identify their brand and who they are and how they add value in the world. But then even more important to that, you help them find a place where they can go and live that out maybe to the to their fullest. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, it's not about my ego. It's not if their resume looks pretty to me, or even if they love their resume or LinkedIn. At the end of the day, my singular goal is for them to land that job. That's what really matters. Or if they come to me for their confidence, that their confidence is boosted. So at the end of the day, I really have those singular goals. And that really helps drive my work. Fantastic. And I want to get into talking about your work here in just a couple minutes. But before we do that, I have a question that I like to ask all of my guests, which is, if you could vacation in only one place for the rest of your vacation days, where would you go? Yeah, so I was listening to your podcast, um, because you told me to prepare because there's always this one question you ask people. Um, So I thought long and hard about this and I came up with Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Okay. Yes. Two years ago, my cousin invited me on a trip with her. She was studying in Switzerland and she's a procrastinator. I am not. I'm the ultimate planner. But she said, Kyle, um, do you want to go with me? You need to buy your ticket this week. Not to Switzerland, but do you want to come with me a week early to Amsterdam and Paris? So I went with her last minute bought my ticket. We flew out the day after Christmas and we spent a few days in Amsterdam. Then I spent New Year's Eve in Paris and it was the most amazing time. I'm the ultimate planner. And we had no plans when we went there. We didn't have any museum tickets. We didn't have anything planned. It was just like eight or nine days of just whatever. And it was so much fun. So if I could choose anywhere there would be Amsterdam because I would say that people were just exceptionally kind. They were just so nice. And the pace and quality of life was just really polar compared to the U.S. (laughs) Yeah, I'd imagine so. And I will say out of, I don't know, 100 plus interviews now, you're the first person to say Amsterdam. Yay! I'm excited. So you have that distinction. (laughs) Yay. 
All right, so let's get into let's get into talking about your current career. And I'm curious, how did you decide to get into career coaching? Like, what was it that made you go, you know what, this is the path for me? Yes, yeah, so I think this will be unique from every other person you've interviewed or any other podcast as well. But I found that my story is very unique. So it started as a side hustle. When I was in college, I charged five bucks to review resumes or edit LinkedIn summaries or give feedback on college personal statements. Um, I started my sophomore year of college and it was literally five bucks. And I was excited if I made like a hundred bucks a week with this quote unquote business at the time. That's a lot of writing for five bucks. It was a lot, 20 20 (laughs) of them. It would take me 20 resumes to get to a hundred bucks. Then I went to grad school. I still had a Starbucks addiction. I needed a feed. I love (laughs) breakfast burritos. So I had a lot of breakfast burritos. I raised my prices a bit. So I moved off Fiverr. So I think it was like maybe $25 for a resume in grad school. You needed to be able to afford coffee and burritos. I get that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe like four resumes to get to my $100. (laughs) And then... I finished grad school, moved back to the Bay Area, got my full-time job. And I was like, okay, I have this full-time job making good money. I'm going to end the side hustle. But it actually kept growing through word of mouth, Mm. through referrals. I had no marketing budget. And it just kept growing and growing over the years. So about two years ago, I made the leap. And I said, you know what? I'm going to have this stop being a side hustle. Clearly, there's a demand if I have no marketing budget, really through just word of mouth and networking, people are reaching out. So I ended up making the leap, raising my prices for more than $25. And I've been doing it full time now for two years. So I really just fell into it. My undergrad was in health education. My master's was in public admin. And now I'm doing career coaching, <laughs> helping people find jobs. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, uh, just so you know, I my, my uh, degree was in aviation. Okay. And I'm a licensed pilot and mechanic. Okay. So go figure. <laughs> but I'm curious, you know, so you go for high, you got a side hustle, you've got a full-time gig paying pretty good money. I assume with benefits, you're doing this thing on the side. It's starting to grow. What was, what was that decision? Like that decision point? Was it easy? Like, did you just go, you know what? I just need to go do this. Or, you know, what would you go through when you decided, okay, I'm going to get rid of the steady salary and I'm going to get rid of these benefits and I'm going to go pursue this. What was that decision like for you? It was incredibly difficult. Now that I'm kind of, I would say it was similar to Amsterdam, kind of going there and not having a plan. I was anxious. My cousin was excited. She's like, I'm not a planner. We're just going to go. We'll figure it out. And I'm like, we can't wait. I'll give some background. We were in Amsterdam and we had no ticket from Amsterdam to Paris. And she said, we'll figure it out when we get there. And I was like, no, my flight is into Amsterdam and out of Paris. I need to find a way to get from Amsterdam to Paris. She said, we'll figure it out. And we did. And I think that's kind of how my business has happened. Yes, I'm a planner, but a lot of it I've just figured out. But when I made the leap, I saved money. So I had a savings built up. But part of it, I just figured out along the way. That's what's gotten me here is figuring it out along the way and trusting the process that I'll work out. If I tried to plan my whole business, it wouldn't work out because I never imagined I would get all these referrals that all these people would reach out that I'd be charging what I do now for resumes or huge executives would be reaching out. So I've had to kind of push against my planning self and really accept what's came 
my way. But to answer your original question more, it was difficult to make that leap. I got a good salary, good benefits, good retirement. And my job gave me a free apartment in San Francisco. I mean, it wasn't free. I worked really hard for it. It was a furnished apartment in San Francisco. And it was so hard to give that up for, okay, I have a client. My clients are successful working with me. So they're turning over every few weeks and let me just dive into this even more uncertainty. Yeah. That, um, I just, I didn't realize you had a, a had to give up a free apartment yeah. too, especially in San Francisco. I mean, that's not an inexpensive place to live. No, <laughs> it's not. But you had to, you had to have been thinking about it to begin with, because you mentioned you had prepared, you'd started saving a little bit of money mm-hmm. and, so like, at what point were you thinking to yourself in your day job? Was it just because you were getting all these referrals and maybe it was starting to impact your day job? Or were you getting to a point with your day job where you were maybe finding it a little frustrating or not as fulfilling as what you thought it might be? It was more, I don't think I was running away from much at my day job. It was more being pushed toward the side hustle where all these people were reaching out my day job in May, I actually signed a contract saying I'd come back in July because um, it was a oh. one-year contract. Then in June, I had to go to my boss and say, actually, I'm going to unsign <laughs> this contract. And it was really that there was just this need out there for people wanting help. About half my clients worked with one to three pre- have worked with one to three previous resume writers or coaches, and they just got super generic advice. And there isn't anyone out there doing what I'm doing, giving this really honest, authentic advice people need, going down beyond that surface level of I need a resume and say, well, maybe it's not the resume. Maybe you're targeting the wrong jobs or maybe you're shooting too low or too high and really digging deep with people. So I realized I'm being pushed towards something. The universe is telling me I need to be here when I have keep person after person after person reaching out. I can't even keep up with my LinkedIn inbox. I'm playing two hours a day on that. And I think it was just the universe telling me you need to be doing something more. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. What was your biggest fear the day you quit and you said, I'm doing this full time? What was, what was your biggest fear that you had to get over yourself? Being able to afford living in the Bay Area, rent. Okay. Um, I just bought a car, I think in May or June. Um, I had a lot of student loans. So I have 110,000 in student loans. So being able to afford that. So just being able to live in the Bay Area was what I was most worried about that money part, especially because in the work I do, it's really short term with most of my clients. Right. So I'm nonstop having to bring in new people literally every single week. Nice. Okay. So let's talk about that. You're, I mean, obviously you have short kind of turnover times, you get a client and then you may not see that client again for years. Uh Uh, You're right. So it's constantly, how do I get more business? You're getting some good referrals. What, what other ways, since you've started your business, have you f- tried to generate leads or found that have been useful for you to generate additional leads? Yeah. So referrals are typically anywhere from 40 to 60% of my business. Oh, wow. okay. um, so I have a really steady referral program. And when I go back and look at my clients, um, it's more often than not that a client has referred me to someone. So if we work together and then it's been more than a few months and they haven't referred someone to me, that's less common than, okay, someone's referred someone to me. So that's a huge part of my business is the referrals. And then the other part is LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and really just sharing content on there. And people are nonstop reaching out to me. I used to have, there's a setting if you're a LinkedIn premium member where you can have open profiles. So anyone can message you. And I was getting hundreds and hundreds of messages per day. So I'd actually turn that off because it was so time consuming. And now I have an assistant and her... Probably 80% of her time is just spent 
responding to LinkedIn messages and only from connections or people who spent in mail and responding to people who want to work with me because it's just nonstop from referrals on LinkedIn, almost all of my business. Obviously, everybody found LinkedIn. We created a profile. How did you go from a point where you may have seen it initially as, okay, this is a great place to put my resume to, hey, I can actually use this thing to generate business? Yeah, for me, it was at a point where there was LinkedIn Profinder. So that was one way I was using it where people say, hey, I'm looking for a resume writer over here. And then you send a few proposals. And that was some of my business, but a lot of it was just me sharing content. And I have not been very good at social media. So I just got Instagram recently on Facebook. I wasn't posting that much. So I would just kind of document my life or share things on there. And when I worked full-time before I made the leap, I worked at San Francisco State University. So it's known for being progressive. It has the only College of Ethnic Studies, um, where it's a very progressive, diverse school that embraces people being their true authentic self. So I would share that on social media and I would get a lot of attention. I would share about living with mental illness. I shared my coming out story. I shared being a survivor of rape. I shared a lot of these personal aspects that my clients were also sharing. That's why I shared it. it wasn't, hey, look at me, but saying, look, I can live this authentic life as my whole self and achieve success in my career. And as I started sharing that, more and more people reached out. Yes, I share stuff about resumes and tips. But the most converting posts are often when I just share about my life and people see me as a person and say, oh, you're a person. I want to hire you. Huh. That's very interesting because it's actually, if you think about it, it's contrary to the advice that most people give, which is, especially LinkedIn, uh-huh. which is LinkedIn's uh-huh. a business platform, yep. talk business. Uh, clearly, yeah. clearly, I mean, you, you know that too, but clearly the, that, you know, if you'd have followed that advice, you may not, you may not have 50,000 followers that you have right now. It's amazing what's happened as I just share that and people reaching out and they're missing that human connection and they want that, especially with their career. We spend 40, 50, 60, 100 hours a week at work. If we're sharing that part of life with someone and we're tearing it down and reconstructing it, people often want to share that with another human who understands that. Or if someone's going through something really difficult, like a divorce, I have a lot of people who reached out to me where their divorce has led them to wanting to seek out a new job. They don't want to just share that with anyone. They want to share that with someone they feel like they can connect to. So I found the more I share about myself, um, both the positives and the negatives, the more people reach out to me and are ready to start working with me. That's very interesting. So you mentioned earlier that you're doc, you document your life kind of mm-hmm. on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. obviously it's working for you. But when you say document your life, where are you finding the content? Are you literally just finding it as you go throughout the course of the day? Or are you strategically, if you will, like most people say, planning out your content on a day by day, week by week, month by month basis? Yes. I found that I'm unique to a lot of people in that I'm not planning it out. So I just post items as I think about it. I'm on a walk. I'm like, okay, let me post this. Or a lot of my content is actually from a session with a client. So we'll talk about something and then I send them homework and session notes. And then I post a few pieces of those notes on LinkedIn. And this is actually what I'm doing with my clients. So it's real and live. Or it's, I went to therapy today. Let me post what I learned about myself on LinkedIn. So it's real and honest and it's my journey. So people are experiencing my journey with me and my client's journey. I like that. I think I've noticed too, a lot of people who share 
content on LinkedIn that really get engagement in their posts. And even my personal experience just recently, if you share those personal stories, I think it, it resonates more with people and they can, as you said, they can see you more as like a real person instead of this business entity, if you will, that's just on LinkedIn trying to, trying to get clients, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Exactly. And I think really thinking about the why of sharing it, saying, why am I sharing this? Is that just to say you're vulnerable, which isn't actually putting it all out there. Brene Brown talks a lot about this, but it's instead taking risks, stepping into discomfort and really just sharing our whole selves. So many people I run into in the corporate setting, afraid to be themselves because they're, they're concerned that their employers might see something that they post on LinkedIn or comment on LinkedIn and do something, you know, want to do something about it. And so for those people who are listening, who have that concern and they're thinking, well, I don't really want to either be completely authentic or I really need to pay attention to what I post and put out on LinkedIn. What advice would you give to them from a, Hey, it, you know, it's an, it's okay to be yourself standpoint. I often encourage people to recognize that's kind of like a mask they're putting on. They're putting a mask on, on their resume or on LinkedIn saying, okay, this is the professional me. And then what happens is people meet them at the interview and then they take a little bit of the mask off or they've been at work a month or two and then they share more of themselves. And maybe you're going to take the mask off and people are going to like you less or you're going to take the mask off and people like you more, but eventually the mask is going to come off. You're going to share more about yourself. So I encourage people to just take the mask off from the beginning, just like a first date. Like you don't want to put this mask on, be dating someone, and then six months on say, you are not the person I expected you to be. Like I feel catfished. So I really encourage people not to catfish other people. So when you meet that person, they're authentic. So share about yourself online, if that's something you feel comfortable with, or at least engage in a way that's the real you and removes the mask. So then you're not with someone in a relationship, whether it's a friendship or a working relationship or anything else. And people feel six months in, hmm, this is a bit different than what I expected. I run into people from LinkedIn a lot in person. And they're like, oh my God, you're exactly like what I saw online. Exactly. Um, And that's what you want. That's the goal. Yeah, well, I can tell you that that's true for me. When you and I, when you and I met at the uh, Career Thought Leaders Conference, that was the first thing I thought was, "Oh, he is exactly like what I see on LinkedIn," which is which is rare to find, actually. But it's also pretty awesome when it happens. For those who are listening, they're thinking about LinkedIn. They, you know, may, whether they're looking for a job or they're looking for a business, you know, business, whatever. How do you think people can make the the most use out of the platform? Make it, you know, make it the most useful for them to achieve whatever goal they might have. So I would encourage them to really think about that goal they have and then work toward that. Because oftentimes people say, okay, I want to meet people in person for coffee and really network. And then they're not inviting anyone to coffee (laughs) and they're not working toward that. So really think about the goal you have and then think, okay, let's say I wanted to be invited to coffee. How would I want to be approached? And when I ask people that, they say, okay, I'd want someone to just ask me to coffee or I'd like them to make the message personable. So really one, think about your goal and then two, reflect on, okay, what would the process be if someone reached out to me for this? If I was looking for a website designer, I get like 10 pitches a day for this. But if I was wanting a website designer, how would I want people to approach me and then use that same method? Because when I ask people that, they immediately know I want something personalized. I don't want to be pitched. Um, I want to build a natural connection. And then I look at their messages. They're pitching their website and doing everything that's the opposite of what they just said. So intuitively, we know what we need to do 
And then we do the opposite because I think we're often operating in that scarcity mindset. Oh my God, I need to sell you right away. I need to say, go, 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 go. Instead of slowing down and really thinking about the intention. There are folks who are curious about the paid versions of LinkedIn. Will it help them that much? Um, And then if, and this is probably two separate questions, but I'll ask it together. You mentioned ProFinder earlier. Um, I get leads through ProFinder, but is that a way, would you suggest that as a way for somebody who wants to start a a side hustle or wants to just experiment with it? Is is that a good test bed for them to try ProFinder or to go with a premium account? Yes. So to do ProFinder, at least when I'm not doing it much anymore, but when I did it before, you had to have a business account. So you had to have a paid LinkedIn business account. And I found it to be a good quality of leads. Um, I haven't used it much since I was side hustling because um, I had such a flow of clients I couldn't <laughs> handle more. But before I was a huge flow of clients, I would easily do like 10,000 plus a month of ProFinder people. So I would encourage people to look into that. And if you're not getting results, because I have a lot of people reach out to me, hey, ProFinder does not work. It's probably you and reflect on you and your messaging and how you're delivering it and A-B test with it. Because I'll ask them, well, what would you encourage your client to do with their resume? Well, write a different resume or try something differently. That's the same thing you need to do with your ProFinder or your messaging or how you're marketing. Mix up your messaging, try different things. You get a few hundred proposal or proposal requests a day in ProFinder. So test out a bunch of different requests try out 10 different ones and see which ones get results. So I definitely suggest it, at least for resume writing and career coaching. It was a huge moneymaker when I used it. Uh, very interesting. I know I've, I've gotten it for a few leads here and there, but I, I use it um, obviously not in the, like, I think you've got, there's a natural connection there between LinkedIn, yes. ProFinder, resume writing, LinkedIn, you know, yes. um, I was using it more for trying to grow a marketing business. And so uh, I get, I get requests every once in a while for, you know, copywriting and those types of things, uh, but probably not nearly as many as what you see with the resume writing mm-hmm. and the, and the LinkedIn summary, which makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And I noticed too, I was looking at your profile in preparation for our discussion today that you are currently booked out. So this is in May of 2019, two months on resume. Yes. That, yeah. That's pretty amazing. Now, a lot of coaches and consultants I work with, especially career coaches, when they're doing one-on-one work like that, obviously their ability to grow is limited by their capacity, their personal capacity. So as you were looking at how am I going to grow my business, when did, and I know you have, you have staff now, when did you decide it was time to hire people to help you? Yeah, so I've actually went through two phases of staff. At one point I had three assistants as I was initially ramping up. My prices were a lot lower. The services after were more resume reviews and LinkedIn reviews. So there were a few hundred dollars and I was turning out like 10 or 15 clients a week. So I needed people to help with the logistics. And then I reformatted how I work with people. I only offered packages and then I was moving to like three clients a week. So I let go of my staff as I made that transition. And then now I've moved toward just doing those packages and I'm now doing a lot of packages every week. Um, not a lot, but like three or four when you're doing everything, resume, cover letter, LinkedIn with the people is a lot. So I've hired someone again now, and she does maybe five or 10 hours a week to just help with the administrative pieces of 
people and the relationships have been so much different now. It's very white glove. I'm able to just work with a handful of people. We're texting back and forth because when you only have a handful of new people each week, you can have that really intimate relationship, which before it felt very transactional. And now I feel like it's very transformational, the work I'm doing. How important is it? I think you mentioned it there. And I know I've gone through this evolution as I've, as I've grown my business as well. How important do you think it is for people who at some point after they start, right? So I think all of us start doing business one-on-one because it's something we, you know, it's kind of like that feel it out. Can I actually do this type thing? But at some point, you know, you, you, you start to realize you're limited by your own capacity. How important is it? Do you think it, it becomes for people earlier in their business to say, you know what, this is what I'm good at and this is what I'm going to do. And these are the things that I'm not going to do. Yeah. For me, there's a few areas that I very quickly outsourced. Well, after a big mistake. So one uh, (laughs) was my website and graphic design. So I tried doing my website myself Mm. when I had the three assistants. One of them spent like 40 hours creating my website. And when she was done, it looked like similar to when it started. She tried really hard. We were using this new like system. It didn't work well. And then I outsourced it. That was the best investment I made. So I now outsource my website and design work. And now a lot of the administrative stuff I outsource to my current assistant. So I think and if it's not generating you revenue, you should outsource it after you at least have some of that initial money. I worked with a business coach and that's what she said, Kyle, at least at minimum 70% of your week, you should be making money. It should be revenue generating hours where you're actually making the money. So I actually have a reminder. I popped up on my phone today, um, where every two months for a week or two, I'll go through and track my hours for the week. And at least 70% of my hours have to be making money, not doing stuff to make money, but actually making money. Tell me what you mean by that. So doing work that you're getting paid for or preparing to do work. So you get paid. No, doing work that I get paid for. So she wanted 70% of my hours to be doing work that I'm paying for. So coaching sessions, writing resumes. So if I'm updating my LinkedIn status or replying to emails, that doesn't count. 70% of my hours need to be making money. So I really work toward that. And then the stuff that I'm doing that's in that 30% bucket, I say, what of this can I outsource? And continually, I'm pushing more to my assistant. How important do you think it is as a part of your business, overall business strategy, as you're looking at where you want to go in the future to have a personal board of directors? I'm a huge fan of them. I think you need a number of them. I all day long tell people to invest in a career coach um, and invest in a life coach. And I need to practice the same. Yet it was hard for me to do this. I can remember going skiing about a year, a year and a half ago. Um, I'd never been skiing. And it was like $300 to get a ski instructor, a private one. I was like, this is so much money. I don't want to do this. I'm just going to figure it out. And I was talking to my mom. Um, We talk every day. And she said, Kyle, people pay you 300 bucks an hour to help them with their career. Why can't you dish out that? And it's going to make your day so much better. So I was like, ah, no. And then at like two o'clock in the morning, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, my mom's right. (laughs) So I dished it out. And in two hours, we're off the bunny slopes, going down the normal slope and like enjoying our day. So I think that's what it's like. Yes, I could have figured out how to ski on my own. I could have got down the bunny slope, figured it out. But I would not have had such an enjoyable time had I not had the coach and had all those little things they tell you. So yes, you can get there on your own, but a coach makes it so much easier. So I encourage people, if you have the capacity, invest in coaches. I have a nutrition coach, a business coach, an executive coach. I continually invest in them. 
All right. So let's, let's talk, let's talk about caffeinated Kyle. Talk to me about how did that become, how did that come to be? Was it, so when you decided to go full-time, did you immediately start caffeinated Kyle or were you something else before that? No, I've always been caffeinated Kyle. Okay. Um, the name came up shortly before I went full-time. Um, I knew it involved coffee. That was easy, but I couldn't figure out like what. So me and one of my old staff members at a team of 23, like I was meeting with my different staff members, trying to come up with names. And one of them we were just brainstorming is like caffeine and we just kept talking and finally caffeinated came to me again at like two o'clock in the morning. And as soon as I thought of caffeinated Kyle, I was like, that's it. And on the surface, it's about coffee, but at a deeper level, I caffeinate people's careers. I'm often encouraging them to network over coffee. So it's really helped a lot and related to the work I do in so many ways. Cool. Who, who are your favorite clients? Like what kind of buckets do you put them into? Are they, you know, college students just getting started? Are they more mid-level, senior level? Most of my clients are senior managers and executives. So they're often pretty far in their career, 15, 20 years. And then about half of my clients are high tech Silicon Valley. So Facebook, LinkedIn, Google, they're working there, they want to work there. And I like working with people who are making a transition. So a scary transition, they're switching industries or careers, or they've been a stay at home mom for 10 years, and they're going back to the workforce. So someone who's making a transition, and they just don't even know where to start, and they're overwhelmed, but they're ready. And they want to do it. So I think that's most fun. And I like a challenge where someone's like, Kyle, I just don't think this is impossible. I don't think this is possible. It feels impossible. And we make it happen. And I think that's most exciting is those big challenges where I'm like, you know what, this does look really scary. It does look impossible. It feels impossible, but we're going to make it happen. So that's what's most fun for me. What do you think are some of the most common misconceptions people have about career coaches when they come to you for the first time or just you you hear about in conversations? They often say, tell me what to do. What should I do here? And they want that advice. And one of the covenants of coaching is that you don't give advice. So oftentimes I'll clarify with clients too, because they do want advice. They say, Kyle, how should my resume look? And then that's more consulting. So I let them know, okay, right now I'm going to put on my consultant cap and give you advice and say, here's what's best practice. But oftentimes I'm in that coaching mode and guiding them, providing clarity and asking those really key questions that they need to get in the right direction. So a lot of people come to me and they want advice. And my marketing says I give advice um, just because that's what people expect. And then once we actually have that first conversation, I let them know, really, I'm that pesky co-pilot that's asking a million questions. Is that the right turn you want to take? What's going to happen if we go down that road? What about this turn over here? So that's where I really come in. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions people have. Or if you have a coach who isn't very good, they're just going to tell you what to do. Thanks for bringing that back around to aviation, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. All right. So what kind of, so we go to caffeinatedkyle.com. What kind of products and services do you offer? How do you help your clients? Yeah. So most people come to me wanting help with their job search. So they're looking to find a job. So I do resumes, cover letters, LinkedIn, interview prep. Then oftentimes when I'm working with people, they figure out that it's something more than that. It's their life is out of whack or they get that dream job yet they're not happy. So it's maybe something more. So oftentimes people come to me for the documents and then end up staying for so much more for that coaching and figuring out really those big questions. What do I want to be when I grow up? 
what's the purpose of life? How do I find happiness? Yeah, I think I I think everybody still struggles with it. What do I want to be when I grow up? Questions. <laughs> yes. Yes. Most people come to me with that, and that's okay not to know. And we'll work through it and figure it out. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if you look at how careers get shaped, right? You go you, you go to college, and if you don't, that's a different path. But you go to college and you're like expected to get out of college and go get a job and the degree that you just spent, in your case, hundreds of thousands of dollars for. And you get into that role and then you go, wait a minute, I don't, I don't really like this or this isn't for me. And, you know, unfortunately, but unfortunately that's kind of the way our, our whole system is set up is that you go and you, you spend a whole bunch of money on the front end to figure out on the back end that maybe I didn't like what I was doing. And so that's where I see, you know, having, having that personal board of directors, career coaches like yourself on your team to help you make those types of decisions when you hit those roadblocks and you will hit those roadblocks, whether it's, you didn't get the promotion you think you wanted, or, uh, you didn't, you know, get the job that at the new company that you wanted to go to, you're going to hit them. And I think in those times, you've got to have somebody like yourself in your corner to help talk through those things. Otherwise that's where you become the Gallup uh, what do they call it? Disengaged employee. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. All right, Kyle, for those people who meet you in person or want to meet you for coffee, what is your favorite coffee drink that they should uh, consider purchasing for you? Typically, it's a soy sugar-free vanilla latte, but I'm working with a nutritionist. So lately, it has been just an iced coffee with a splash of soy milk because I did not know the soy milk I get has sugar in it. So I've been trying to reduce all the sugar I drink every day. (laughs) Very interesting. Very interesting. Cool. So for those people who are wanting to buy you this drink and get an opportunity to meet you in person or even virtually, what are some of the best ways for them to get in touch with you? Yes. So my website, caffeineakyle.com that I did not create, but outsourced is a good way to find me. LinkedIn, I spend still an ungodly amount of time on there. I love it. So Kyle Elliott on LinkedIn. And I just got on Instagram. So caffeinated Kyle on Instagram. So I share on my stories a lot the behind the scenes of my life. So I think that's probably where I have the most fun um, is on Instagram because as that story is featured, I just share my life. So caffeinated Kyle over there. Awesome. And that's where I learned, by the way, that congratulations were in order at the very top of this podcast. Oh, yeah. Five clients. <laughs> so yeah. it's working. It's working. All right, Kyle, any final thoughts, words of wisdom, tips that you'd like to pass on to anybody that's listening today? Yes. It's, I think, really going back to it's okay not to know what you want to be when you grow up. Oftentimes people come to me and they're like, Kyle, I'm 45 years old. I should know what I want to be when I grow up. And that's okay. The future, as my nutritionist says, the future does not exist. That's all right. We can work to plan for it together. Awesome. Kyle, thank you very much for being a guest today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This was fun. I'm not sure I could have found a better guest to discuss the importance of authenticity, not just in your career, but in your life as well. I know when I was working in the corporate world, I oftentimes felt like I was wearing a mask, trying daily not to let my true self show too much for fear of being viewed as the person who wasn't, quote, business oriented. While I was myself with my friends and coworkers, I tried to project a different image when I was in front of senior level managers, always concerned that I might make the wrong impression. I used to pride myself on being able to play, quote, the corporate game, but maybe the only person I was playing was myself. 
which sounds weird now that I say that out loud, but I think you get the point. You see, getting promoted or getting new business isn't about hiding behind a mask. It's actually about becoming more of who you are and less of who others think you should be. To that point, I think even the simple act of hiring a coach can make those wearing a mask feel insecure because of concerns about how they will be perceived, believing that others may think less of them. Chris Brogan, a well-known blogger, says that we are all hashtag bent in some way, and it's in those bends that provide each of us with the unique gifts that we can offer to the world. Discovering your unique gifts is not easy. It takes experiences, failures, and successes before you can start to actually see them. Kyle knows this, which is why he utilizes coaches and a personal board of directors to help him understand and fully utilize his unique gifts to the best of his ability. The truth is, when we shine as individuals doing the work we were meant to do, we will help others find their unique gifts so that they can shine as well. Kyle, thank you for your time and for sharing your authentic story with us today. The next time we meet in person, your soy latte or your new coffee drink of choice is on me. And thank you, loyal listener, for tuning in today. I appreciate you plugging your ears into this podcast. And as an FYI, I'm going to be looking for some new theme music for the podcast. While I really like the one that I've been using, I feel like it's time for a change. So stay tuned to see what new music I eventually land on. And until next time, I've been Ryan, and I'm out. Today's show is edited and produced by Ryan Whitney. The transition music is Peppermint Mocha by Pala. And the intro and outro music is Pulse by Soundrail. Music licenses for today's show were purchased via Soundstripe and Pond 5, respectively.